Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So I want to um, talk to you today about God's timing um, versus our timing. And so when big events actually happen in our lives, um, we generally think of things from our perspective. And we're really interested in um, basically our needs at that time and actually getting it resolved right at that time. You know, Lord, right here and now I have this need. Can you resolve it for me? And often we don't actually think of um, these events from the perspective of God. We're not actually thinking about, well, what is God's needs? You know, God actually has some needs, so what actually are they? And uh, we're often not thinking about the big picture. Um, We're not actually thinking about that massive big picture that God actually sees. And we're not actually even thinking about what God is actually trying to do in our lives. So we're very, very self-centered. In my life right now, I actually have two really, really big events that are actually happening in my life. The first is that I'm actually in what I call a year of transition. I'm actually transitioning from a life which was very focused on business and very focused on um, senior management roles in business to a role where I'm focused on building the kingdom of God. And that's actually a big change. And there's a, a, you know, a lot of changes that Vicky and I are actually going through. And we have a pretty good idea of what God is actually saying to us and what he actually wants to do. But one of the things we don't necessarily always understand is what is God's timing um, on those things. The second thing that actually um, is a big event is actually this church here in Huapai. You know, this is going to be a huge part of my life. And uh, I know that God actually wants to establish here in Faith Point in Huapai a church that is vibrant, a church that is absolutely led by the Holy Spirit, a church that is actually really, really relevant to 2021, that it's actually relevant to the times that we actually um, live in. Um, some of the things that God's been saying about Huapai is that it will be a light to the community. And when I think of a light to the community, I think of one of those really big lighthouses, you know, that are really sturdy, that can handle, you know, 300-kilometer winds with a really bright light that can be seen for, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles. That's the type of church that he wants in Huapai, in Faith Point. And it's a church that we will see many, many people coming to the Lord. You know, what I really, you know, my passion for is actually seeing people who don't know Christ at the moment actually um, coming to Christ, understanding who Christ is, um, receiving them into their hearts, and then discipling themselves, being discipled, so that they then go out and bring other people um, to Christ and so on. So we're really looking for what is a multi-generational church of believers. You know, believers who are discipled, who um, bring other believers in, who are discipled, who then share the gospel of other believers and so on. One of the things that I've um, learned from life is that you can thrash around, you can basically try and waste a whole lot of energy, you can do things um, in your own strength and uh, you can get a little bit demoralized um, often through doing that 
or you can actually do things in God's strength and you can basically find that flow of God and actually find the timing of God and then just those little small steps that you actually take actually become giant leaps, right, um, in, in the spiritual world and in God's kingdom. So, um, you know, the thing that um, we just have to understand, what is God's timing? Um, there's a verse that I really want you to um, take away today, and that is Psalm 27:14, And it is, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So um, let's pray, shall we, as we just get into this word. I just thank you that um, you are a God that is for us and that you are a God um, there to actually help us, Lord. And, um, you know, I just pray that you'll just teach us today about your timing, that we'll have a better understanding of your timing in our lives, Lord. And uh, I just pray that you'll just help me um, bring this message, that I will... um, in a sense, bring the words that you want um, me to bring, Lord, and that you'll just prepare our hearts um, to receive the message that you want us to receive, Lord. And I just pray for that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, In the Bible, it talks about um, Mary and Martha, and they actually sent a message to um, Jesus about their brother who was very, very sick. And we can read about this in John chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, Your dear friend is very sick. Interestingly, it changed at that point to very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You know, the first thing I wanted to talk about was um, basically Mary and Martha's timing. You know, when Jesus actually received this message, he was actually at Bethabara, which is about 20 miles walk um, from Bethany. So it was a good day's walk for Jesus to actually get through to um, Bethany. And, you know, Mary and Martha, when they sent this message, they were very, very focused on what was their needs. They wanted to point out to Jesus that Lazarus was a very dear friend. They wanted to point out that he was very, very sick, and they actually wanted healing. What they were looking for is Lazarus was obviously really important in their life, and they wanted him to be um, healed. And in fact, later on, both Martha and Mary made the comment, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. We can read this in um, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, it's actually a really natural thing, um, the way that Mary and Martha actually felt. But they were very, very focused on themselves. They were very focused on their needs um, at that particular time. And they really wanted the healing straight away on their terms almost. The other thing I wanted to talk about 
was actually their attitude um, towards Jesus. When Jesus actually arrived at Bethany, and this was some four days later, um, the scripture actually records that he actually felt a really deep anger welling up in himself, and he was deeply troubled. And this is in John chapter 11, verses 30 to 33. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. You know, the word that's translated as anger here um, means to be very angry, to be moved with indignation. And indignation is anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. You know, Jesus was annoyed that he was, in fact, being blamed for Lazarus's death. The fact that he didn't drop everything and rush there, you know, he was actually being, he felt that he was being blamed for Lazarus's death. The interesting thing is if you actually look at the timeline, Lazarus actually died before Jesus actually got the message. You know, it was a day's walk. Jesus actually spent two days there. But actually, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. So Lazarus actually died just after the messengers actually left um, to go and actually find Jesus. You know, um, often when we have you know, something like this happening in our lives, we just look at it from our perspective. We want healing. We want it right now on our terms. And when it doesn't happen, we actually almost blame God for it. I want to actually now... Um, actually just talk about this verse from Jesus' perspective. And there are really three things that I, um, you know, the Lord really spoke to me about it. The first thing is that Jesus actually did respond. And in fact, he responded straight away. If you actually read John eleven four, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, um, he basically sent that message back to Mary and Martha. You know, when that messenger arrived, he would have actually spoken that message and that messenger would have received that message and actually taken it back to Mary and Martha. And they would have heard that message that Lazarus is actually not going to die, you know, long term. You know, the thing is that often when something, um, a big event's happening in our life, we are not listening to God. It's almost like there's a big clanging going in our brain and we're really, really focused from our perspective of what's going on. And we don't actually stop and actually listen to what the Holy Spirit is actually saying to us, right? And you know, in this particular case, Jesus actually spoke um, straight away actually to them. The second thing um, from Jesus' perspective is often we actually have to wait um, for action. And in this case, Martha and Mary um, had to actually wait another two days while um, Jesus was at um, Bethabara. I um, had a friend once who actually made a really profound statement, or I found it a profound statement, and I can remember it. 
And basically what he said is, when nothing is happening, something is happening. And um, the Lord actually prompted me to add something to the back of that. God does not waste time. So when nothing is happening, something is happening, and God does not waste that time. God wants to grow us. He often uses time to mold us, to give us patience, to mature us um, in our actual walk. Um, many of you will be aware that um, in Vicky's and our journey that we actually separated. We were separated for um, a number of years. And I can remember when we first separated, really turning to God and basically say, hey God, what's going on here? And um, actually it was very, very quickly that God actually came back to me and actually gave me an answer. He basically made me a couple of promises. He said, Jeff, I will restore myself into your hearts. And then upon that, I will restore your marriage. I can remember it today. I, I, I can remember walking down my driveway, him quite clearly saying that to me. And I can remember that I um, thrashed around a little bit. Um, I tried to restore my marriage, you know, over the next month by thrashing around and then realized that wasn't the right thing to do. So I then basically um, talked to God and said, okay, you're going to you know, restore yourself into our hearts. You're going to restore our marriage. What do you want me to do? And basically he said, sit quietly and watch. All right, sit quietly and watch. And as I, um, as I reflected on that this, you know, in the last week, I actually realized that during that time as I sat quietly and watched, God actually did a whole lot of stuff actually in me. The first thing he did is he actually really taught me about love, about hope, and about faith. He seemed to focus on, on that, and I spent a lot of time just trying to understand love and understand faith and understand hope. And the greatest of those, of course, is love. The second thing that he actually did is he actually built in me a strength, a strength to stand. Right. And, um, you know, where it was a patience or, you know, he just he changed me. He gave me that ability to stand, to believe in him no matter what, no matter how long it took. Right. He changed my heart. And um, I don't know how he's going to use that. I believe it's significant in my life that he will use that in the future. The ability to actually stand and actually just believe in what he is actually saying. Um, the third thing he did is that he actually revealed himself to me in an incredibly personal way. So um, as he said to me, just sit quietly and uh, watch, I thought I had a very valid question. I actually came back and said, well, what am I watching for? And uh, he would just come back and say, sit quietly and watch, which meant I wasn't actually supposed to be watching for anything in particular. I was just to be watching what he was doing and just watching what was going on. And quite regularly, I would actually, you know, wake up in the morning and I would, you know, pray to God and I'd say, hey, Lord, what am I actually watching for? And I'd just get it back, sit quietly and watch. And then actually in one day, um, it was just completely out of the blue. Um, I wasn't actually asking the question. And he just came back and he said, Jeff, sit quietly and watch for true love. And um, it makes me tingle even just thinking about that today. And uh, do you know what true love is? 
True love is actually one of the names of Jesus Christ. Sit quietly and watch for Jesus Christ, true love, to move in your life. And it was about six months after that that he restored our marriage, right? And uh, I give him the glory for that. You know, um, something was happening in Mary's and Martha's life. As they waited those extra two days, they would have been aware that Jesus didn't come immediately. That messenger would have arrived and then no Jesus. And then another day went by, no Jesus. And another day went by and Jesus finally came. And they were aware that he didn't come straight away. But in that time, something incredible actually happened in their lives. You know, um, you can get a flavor for that um, when you actually look at um, Mary. You know, later on, she went out. She probably took all of her money that she actually had. She went down to the local market. She brought the most expensive bottle of perfume that she could find. And she sat at Jesus' feet. And she poured it over his feet and washed his feet with his, uh, her hair. Something happened, you know, incredibly in her life. And likewise in Martha's life, you know, Jesus said to Martha, um, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You know, um, I am sure that Martha saw the glory of God and something incredible actually happened in her life. You know, when nothing is happening, something is happening, and God does not actually waste the time. The, um, the third thing that I actually wanted to talk about was um, God's timing glorifies God. You know, Lazarus' sickness and death happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And, um, you know, there's really three things that spoke to me. The first thing is Jesus actually defeated death, right? In John eleven forty one to 44. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Um, I was actually reading a commentary about this verse. And um, I, I was quite intrigued by it. And one of the comments that's made is that be very thankful that Jesus actually named Lazarus. Because if he had just said, come out, the whole graveyard would have been emptied, right? There would have been people coming out of that graveyard from centuries ago. And that's the amazing thing that God did, that Jesus did. He defeated death, you know, so that we can receive him actually into our heart and we can be confident that he will raise us from the dead and that we will spend eternity with him. And by the way, if you don't know him, you'll still be raised from the dead, but you'll spend eternity in hell. And that's reality. Um, again, I just want to remind you um, about being prepared and willing to share the salvation prayer with anybody um, at the right time. And I do encourage you to actually know the salvation prayer, to actually have it um, you know, in your back pocket ready to bring out um, at any time. And you'll probably get sick of me saying this, but um, I've more or less been, I feel God saying that I should be talking about it a lot because I think it's something that's really, really important. 
and that is that there are really just six components to the salvation prayer. And once you get your head around that, then the salvation prayer just flows um, no matter what. And those six things are three acknowledgements, acknowledge the love of God, acknowledge that we have sin in our lives, and acknowledge that Jesus is the solution. And you can just put that in any sentence that you know just works for you. Then invite Jesus into your life and into your heart. Receive him actually into your heart. That's the fourth point. And then the fifth point is to thank Jesus that he died on the cross for them. And then the last point is to ask for his help um, in your life. Six really simple points. Just try and get them into your head. And then you can actually, um, you can just make up a salvation prayer on the fly um, as you're going along. The other things that I just wanted to share is Jesus was absolutely glorified. You know, God was glorified and Jesus was glorified as um, he raised people from the dead. And then the other thing from a big picture point of view, and it's, it's the thing that I have really, um, one of the key points that I've realized in the last week as I've prepared this message, and that is um, many believers actually believed in Jesus because of what he did. Right? And in fact, if you read in verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. You know, one of the things is that God's timing is that salvation for the lost is not far from his thoughts. Um, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 2, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You know, God is actually passionate about seeing the lost saved. And I believe that's one of the key aspects of his timing, is that he is actually trying to make sure that as many people actually um, receive him into their lives as possible. And that's one big aspect of his timing. So what does that mean um, for me? And um, for Vicky, we've got this big event, this big transition in our life. Um, you know, I know that God is just basically saying, trust me. You know, trust God. You know, seek the kingdom of God first um, and all righteousness and then all things will be provided to you. It's just, a, you know, that's what he's fundamentally saying to me right at the moment. Just trust him, right, as I go through what are some really quite scary steps. Um, and then in the case of Huapai, um, I really believe he's saying, first of all, you know, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, we need to absolutely just understand what is the Holy Spirit saying as the, as the steps that we need to take as we're growing herpi. Um, we shouldn't be frightened about um, time. We need to do things in God's timing. We need to understand when he's telling us to do something and go and do it. We don't have to go and thrash about. Um, I think it's very much about um, sharing the gospel. It's about making disciples. It's about disciples making disciples making disciples. I can't, you know, we can't lose sight of that. Um, and then the last thing um, is that we really need to just challenge ourselves to be part of the community. We need to be out in the community sharing the gospel, making disciples. You know, that's basically, if I was just to put it in a nutshell, that's what Jesus, it's what the Holy Spirit's saying. So let's pray, shall we? You know, Lord, um, your timing is, um, you know, we don't always understand it. You know, we always look at things from, you know, just where we're at at that particular point in time. And, um, 
You know, often we just want something resolved right here and now. But we know that your timing, Lord, is perfect, um, that you have a timing for everything. And uh, I also understand, Lord, that you um, really are passionate about seeing people saved. And, um, you know, that's a passion that you're passing on to this church in Huapai, that we look out around this community and we see many people who do not know you and um, that need to hear the, the gospel and need to come to a um, receiving you into your hearts. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll um, just help us with timing. Your, your Holy Spirit will just guide us on what we should be doing, Lord that we won't thrash around, we'll, we'll just try and understand your timing, Lord. And, uh, yeah, that we will see incredible things over the coming years um, in this church and in this community. Amen.